There we go. Is that better? There we go. Okay. Um, so I was excited uh, to sing Amazing Grace before showing this video because uh, it was my uh, grandfather's favorite song, and I didn't know my grandfather very well because he passed away when I was two. Uh, but whenever Amazing Grace would be sung at church or if I was leading singing and I selected it, my grandmother would take me aside and she would tell me, hey, that was your grandpa's favorite song. And uh, whenever we would ask her, Grammy, what would you like us to sing, maybe at a New Year's celebration or just a family gathering, and my uh, cousins and all are very musical and they love to sing, and, uh, and so she would request Amazing Grace. And so I grew up just thinking, this is uh, a grandmother's favorite song. And when I first moved to Glendale, uh, almost two years ago now, uh, I was first introduced to Yvonne um, right away. Because she just comes up and gives you a hug, and she just loves on everybody in, in the church. She reminded me, though, of my grandmother. And so I went out to lunch with her and Brian one time, and we went on and visited some people at uh, some nursing homes. And that, again, reminded me of my grandmother and going in the car with her to visit some of her friends who had uh, been moved into some of these nursing homes. And Yvonne just is like our little Glendale grandmother for each one of us. And uh, so this is a very special moment for us just to kind of honor her. And, uh, and so Brian and I did a, a long interview. We hope that this is a blessing to you. I want to say a shout out real quick to Philip who helped with lighting and some video on the, on the thing. He helped us get really good audio so you can hear Yvonne. And, uh, and then Jim, I really want to honor Jim because he did all the work of cutting this all together. And uh, you'll notice that it's very good and it, it drives a point. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest, we gave him kind of a nightmare of a project to work on. So um, you can talk to him later about it. But we're really grateful for this. And so I hope you're blessed by this video. Well, I obviously know you very well. You're like a extra grandmother to me, but just for anyone who ever is watching this, uh, can you introduce yourself? Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been uh, part of this congregation. I've been a part of this congregation for over seven, 75 years. So I came here with my parents when I was six years old. You've told me about the different locations of the church before. Uh, what do you remember about those spots? Like what was the first one that you went to, then the second one, and then coming The here? first one that we attended regularly was the one at Adams and Maple in Glendale. What do you remember about that, that building and that church? Um, Ruth Anna Valentine was um, my first Bible school teacher there. They had just built a little wing of classrooms that they were very proud of, where we moved our children's class into. Still up there. That was Bible class. I think the one I went to was in the first door over there. What things do you remember about this building? Or is there a specific memory that you have coming back here? Well, we had a lot of different ministers go through here, but one special memory I have is of Otis Gatewood was preaching here one day. And I suppose his sermon must have been on faith because I was sitting down on the second row where I usually sat. And he stuck his hand down in his pocket and he said, do you believe I have a quarter? And I looked at him totally befuddled and said, I don't know. And he made me get up and come get the quarter. <laughs> 
what do you remember about the the second building? So they moved from the first location to over to Chevy Chase. Over to Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. What do you remember about that time and the the church's life there? Well, it was an interesting building, and um, I'm sure, like class probably had been bedrooms in a home at some time because it had some rooms that were um, they used for classrooms it still had a kitchen that looked like it been part of a residence Mm -hmm. what memories do you have here from this one well this one has more of my uh, teenage years that uh, you walk directly into the big auditorium and (coughs) there was a room to your right and that was a nice big classroom and that's, the youth usually met in there and had their lessons, planned their functions, and and it was we were here at this location when uh, Tonda Lodge was, I guess, purchased and became available to the churches. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that was just one of the things that happened while I was here. Talk about the the move here. What do you remember? What that was like at the history of the church? You were. When we moved from from the second building Chevy to, Chase to, Chevy to here, Chase to here, yeah, I was about thirty. Okay, when that went on, what do you, what do you remember about that time? I remember the men coming here and working so many hours, physically doing the construction, mm-hmm. that it was truly a labor of love. I don't know what we spent on the building, but I'm sure we saved thousands of dollars Mm -hmm. in labor. Um, My dad, along with several others, were in industry around here, and they'd get off work about 3 or 3.30, and they would come directly here and work until late in the evening. And that's when I said they sometimes ran on mother's coconut pies because... She figured that was something she could do when there wasn't work here she could do. Yeah. She did a lot of taping on the uh, wallboard, that kind of thing. And when there wasn't that work, well, she'd be at home making coconut pies. Hmm. You mentioned that you helped to lay the floor in the fellowship hall. Yeah. Too. Laura was born during that time, so I was not allowed to be down here working. Mm-hmm. But after she was born, I actually got in and physically laid some of the tile flooring in the multi-purpose room. Mm-hmm. I think the building was beautifully designed mm-hmm. for uh, a lot of use. Yeah. Uh, this vestibule was deliberately designed big and wide so that you could have people coming and going if you needed multiple services. Yeah. It was designed without, with the intention of being able to use it for a school with the classrooms. Mm-hmm. And was at one time. Yeah. So I think um, George is long gone, but he deserves a lot of credit. George Adrian. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What What other names come to mind from that time? Maybe that that transition. Oh goodness, Clark Telford was here, I suppose, almost every night. Mm -hmm. Um, Lee Spangler, my dad, Bill McMasters, Uh, Marshall Bryant was here then, and he spent quite a few hours here. Yeah. Um, I think possibly Keith Lee Gentry was here part of the time mm-hmm. and probably instrumental in helping with some of the paperwork and purchasing since that was his line of business. Yeah. On the opening day of this building, mm-hmm. our opening ceremony, we were actually full. Mm-hmm. 
and I think the auditorium seated over 400 people. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see, I believe Pat Boone led our singing that day. And uh, Pat that has the show, Pat and Vanna. Uh, Wheel of Fortune. Wheel of Fortune. Pat Sajak. Was Pat Sajak. I can't recall if he was here for that show yeah. or that day, but he had been here a few times. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. So that was a big event, the, our opening. You know, we had people from the community coming. Yeah. And uh, it was a big day in our history. Uh-huh. So a lot of, lot of different people who were... Yeah. What do, you, what do you remember about the energy of the church during that time, just the things people were doing? Were people just really excited about what they were doing? What was going I, th on? I think there's always excitement when you are building and accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And so, yes. And we just, I think we sort of took it for granted. Yeah. That's the way it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. What is the thing that has kept you as, as part of this church? What are the things that you value about the, the people. Church of Christ? Hands down, it would be the people. I love the people here and always have. Mm -hmm. So this has just always been my home. What would you say is the, the legacy of the church uh, in, in your experience and what hopefully you hope would continue, but what's the legacy that, that is left in your mind? That we continue to... Uh, Keep the Word of God going and, and impress our children with the current benefits as well as your eternal benefits mm -hmm. of being a Christian and walking in that path. That would, you know, if the church can do that, I think it will, it's succeeding in its mission mm -hmm. as well as converting outsiders. Yeah, yeah. And if the outside world can see our love for each other. Speaking for the church as the body, not as the building, but mm -hmm. speaking for the collective Glendale Church and all the people who've been part of it, just thank you for all the years. There's going to be very few people who can be part of a church for 75 <laughs> years, so that's really fantastic. And I know I've been personally blessed by you, and so many of us have, so thank you for that. Do you have any final message for, Other for than the just church? To thank the, the people that have gone before, that have led the way and been part of my family all my life. And as you well know, the church has been my extended family all my life. My mom and dad came here as young people. I marvel at their courage to get up and come here with no family, no work, no money, and how successful they were. Yeah. And the church, of course, was a big part of their life. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate all that and hope that we can honor it and honor those who've gone before us. Sure. Yeah, I, I hope that we can too. <laughs> all right. Right over here. 
Uh, so as we, um, I hope you were touched by that and, and that you'll, it'll spark some interest and questions about some of those stories. And um, so be, be on the lookout. I think um, I talked with Yvonne earlier this week and um, she was not feeling so well. Um, so we want to uh, keep her in our prayers as a lot of us have been struggling with colds and things like that. So um, be thinking about that and uh, maybe talk with her when you see her next about some of these memories and some of the things. Uh, that's 10 minutes of, I think, about over an hour of footage we gave Jim. So um, there's plenty more of that um, and there's plenty more stories to be shared. But one thing that I uh, just resonated with when I was doing the interview with her um, and filming it um, was this phrase, keep the word of God going. And she was kind of in reference to the legacy of our church. And so uh, 94 years, a Glendale church has been gathering. And we, uh, you know, so we're coming up on 100 years here pretty soon. And if we think about the next 100 years, how are we going to uh, keep the word of God going? How are we going to keep that up? And so Ravon reminds us as the light to the Verdugos that what we really need is we need to do what I think the psalmist described very well, is to hide the word of God in our heart. And so there's this passage in Psalm, uh, Psalm 119. I, I believe it's up on the screen here. Psalm 119, 9 through 16. It says, How can a young person stay on the path to purity? By living according to your word. Um, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Um, And so as I think about this passage and as I reflect on it, you know, I think a little bit about our church being 94 years old. It's an old church. A lot of churches don't last that long. Um, There are a lot of churches in Burbank that I've gotten to know that are three, three years old, five years old. Some of them occupy older buildings, but they started recently. They're church plants. And they're doing some great work, and, and God can use new churches, and God needs new churches, and we need to be supporting new works. At one time, Glendale was a new church, right? But then I started thinking a little bit about, we're not really the characteristic old church, though. Um, we have a lot of young faces, a lot of young people, a lot of uh, little, little ones. Um, and as I think about the energy that I felt when I came to visit Glendale— and the way that it was described to me and the experience that I had is that this is really a fairly young church. And so I like the phrase young at heart, right? So maybe as a 94-year-old church, we can claim that young at heart church model. And so then I started reflecting on this passage. What might it look like for us as a church to say just like this young person is being counseled by the wise psalmist, Uh, maybe we as a young at heart church can be counseled at the same way, to hide the word of God in our hearts, that we might not sin against God, that we might be in God's presence going forward as a light to the Verdugos. And this is a theme that's not just in um, Psalm 119, but it's throughout the Bible. Here's some of the passages that I recalled. Psalm 1, 
Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the seat of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Or perhaps Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I won't fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff. And in my growing up, the rod and the staff of my mom and dad often was the word of God, recalling these passages of Scripture. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So we hide these words in our heart uh, we might recall the psalm that we sang today, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Or uh, we get further into Jesus' words and his confrontation with the devil when he is tempted and he says, uh, no one lives on bread alone, but man doesn't live by that, but he lives by the every word that comes from the mouth of God. Or John 17, where Jesus is praying to the Father and praying for protection over the people that they may be one as you, Father, I are one. May they be in you and as you are in me and I am in you. And then he says to them, uh, says in his prayer that God has given us a light and he's given us truth. And then he says this phrase, your word is truth. And so as I think about um, the, the commands in Scripture themselves to hide the word of God in our heart, And the the amazing power that comes when we can reflect back on it. But I do know that growing up, um, I at times was given um, stickers in a book to bring my Bible to class. My mom was a Sunday school teacher a lot, or VBS. And then that sticker book, I could also get stickers for if I memorized a Bible verse, a memory verse for that week. And if I was lucky, it would be the same memory verse for several weeks in a row. But if not, I was memorizing a new verse every week. But I sometimes would memorize that new verse just so I could get the sticker that would go in the book. And when the book was full of stickers, and I got to go to the treasure box, right? And in the treasure box were little, um, our church was fairly progressive, so they had this, the rub-on tattoos and other things like that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, but there were other prizes, things, bouncy balls, candy was the best thing, but usually the candy was old like the coins, the chocolate coins from who knows when. Um, and as I think about that, I, re- I learned a lot of memory verses, and I don't, I probably can't tell you more than one or two of those memory verses that I memorized to get those stickers. Um, I was memorizing the Bible, but I was not hiding the Word of God in my heart. And as a church, we might have thought that forcing memorization, and you might have grown up in a church similar to that. Maybe you had it at Sunday school. Maybe you had it at vacation Bible school. Maybe it was LTC leadership training in Christ or Bible Bowl or something like that. Or summer camp. My favorite memories at summer camp with memorization were when we'd play capture the flag because I could school everybody. You get tagged and you go to jail and there's a counselor there with a Bible. You can get out of jail for free if you memorize, if you quote a Bible verse. So everyone memorized John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. Hey, I heard that. That was good. Okay. Jesus wept because that was easy to remember. But then uh, you could only use, you had to use a new memory verse each time you got into jail. So the counselor was trying to remember. So once you got through Jesus wept, then it was like Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Um, and then you started getting harder as you go John 3.16 and you keep moving through. And um, once in a while you'd catch a counselor by quoting some Bible verse that they had no clue about, you know, something like Psalm 133 or something about being a child at your mom's breast or something. And that was very uncomfortable for the counselor who had no idea. what or Is this the Bible? Is this in the Bible? But as I think about um, memorizing, I don't know that it was the same thing as what the psalmist is inviting, of hiding the word in our hearts. And it wasn't until I was in high school and we were in... Um, Living overseas, my dad's job took us over to Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam for about five years, and we were part of a church there that had been working and striving for almost 10 years to get a permit to meet legally. And the police, the pastor would go to the police and he would say, hey, um, you know, I know that the legal thing in a communist country is to come to you and tell you what we're doing and why we want to gather, because a gathering over like five people has to be registered with the government. And so we would go, and, and the police would say, hey, that's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You're just meeting in the hotel. Don't worry about it. And the hotels were gracious enough to say, yeah, we understand the dynamics in a communist country that sometimes they say yes when they mean no, and sometimes they may say no when they mean yes. And so we'll let you meet here anyway. August 2005, uh, the church had moved recently into a new district, from District 1 to District 4, and was meeting in a larger hotel because the church was growing and had 800 people on Easter. Some local Vietnamese, but mostly foreigners. And so we were gathering in this larger hotel ballroom, and it was nice. My dad describes it. We were doing five-star church because we were in a five-star hotel. And we'd go from, you know, the seventh floor down to the fourth floor for the buffet afterwards after church, you know. And I'm sure the hotel loved it because there were like 100 or 200 people that would come downstairs and buy the buffet. So August rolls around, and the district police in that district comes and says, we're going to raid your hotel next Sunday if you let this church keep meeting. And so our pastor thought first, all right, bring it on. I got, you know, the GM of Nike and the GM of British Petroleum. You're not going to raid this hotel and put these people in jail. That's just not going to happen. It's not going to look good for the Vietnamese government. And as we uh, thought and prayed about it as church leaders, the, the leaders decided not to put the hotel in that predicament. Um, instead, we would meet in house churches. But now you're moving from about four or 500 on a Sunday morning in one location with one worship team, with one preaching minister, with one uh, lesson, uh, now to 12 different home groups across a large city of 10 million people. And it felt very disjointing. It felt like we were a church and now we were scattered. And our pastor invited us as a church to memorize a passage of Scripture together. And that passage was Colossians 1.28. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully uh, mature in Christ. And I, I thought it was just an exercise to bring us together as a church, and it kind of worked. Some people kind of mocked at it and, and kind of balked and said, oh, we're we're doing the Sunday school thing again. We're, we're having to memorize this scripture. But it really became something that I hid in my heart and actually affected my life going forward. In college, I would recall this passage as my life verse and what set me on the trajectory to be in ministry, the trajectory that brought me here to the Glendale Church. And so I think that hiding the word of God in our heart means something different than just simply memorizing 
but that we can't actually hide God's word in our heart if we don't take out a step in faith and memorize. And so it may seem like these two things are in contrast to each other, but I want us as a church, I think, in the spirit of what Yvonne said by keeping the word of God going, to step in a little bit and try something. And so as a, as a church family, I am asking and inviting you to memorize with me a passage of Scripture. Um, we're going to center on Colossians 3, uh, verses 15 through 17. Um, I think it's up on the screen. Maybe, yeah, there we go. Perfect. Um, and so what I'm inviting us to do is this passage that says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you speak to one another in song, as you, uh, sorry, as you teach and admonish one another. I'm getting the Ephesians passage mixed up here. As you teach and admonish one another um, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing uh, to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I'm a little rusty with this passage as well. And I know sometimes some of you have a preferable, uh, preferable, you have a different uh, translation preference. I memorize a lot of things in King James and then NIV, and then now the NIV is new, and so it gets me messed up. And um, so I want to invite you, though, we're going to send this out in an email in this translation. If you'd like to memorize it alongside us, you can memorize it in your own favorite translation, the one that you have at home as well. Um, But I'm going to strategically invite us each Sunday over the summer, so the months of June, July, and August, uh, to memorize this passage of Scripture together. Because I believe that as a church, if we hide the Word of God in our heart, we won't stray from the path of purity. And um, and so we've, uh, as leadership, have tried to call attention that mission, uh, the mission of our church to lead and to love all people into a growing relationship with Christ, is something that we want to do, and we have a vision for this community for forming deep spiritual friendships in Glendale and Burbank and Pasadena. And so we believe that this mission takes precedence over some tradition. And yet, we want to honor that tradition. And I believe what we honor best is when we hide the Word of God in our hearts together. That will help us evaluate and know for certain that we're close to the heart of God when we make changes to our tradition. Um, and it's in Scripture that we really do know that uh, we can be pointed back to Jesus. If Scripture is the thing hidden in our hearts, it's what will point us back to Jesus always. That's the thing it does perfectly, 100% all the time. It points us to Jesus. Um, so to close, I just want us to stand together, and we're going to um, say these passages together. I've adapted Psalm 119 as well to be a we statement. Um, and so we're going to first say that one. So you can notice I've kind of italicized and capped um, the changes that I've made in the passage so that we can talk about us as a church. And then we'll go right into the passage that we're going to memorize from Colossians. Um, and then I'll close us in prayer before we sing our final song. So would you stand with me as we recite these and hide them in our heart? Let's say these together. How can a young church stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. We seek you with all our heart.
do not let us stray from your commands. We have hidden your word in our hearts that we may not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach us your decrees. With our lips, we recount all the laws that come from your mouth. We rejoice in following your statutes as people rejoice in great riches. We meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. We delight in your decrees. We will not neglect your word. Now let's say our memory verse together. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen. Let's pray. Awesome God, we know that you have been in this place and that you uh, have been in our hearts. And God, that you want to set up lordship over our lives. And so God, we have uh, committed ourselves to being uh, your church, your, your body, your hands and feet in this world. And like our history has reminded us, we want to be that light to the Verdugos, light to this community. But God, we sometimes go astray, and our hearts don't remain pure. And sometimes, God, we hear the, the Beatitudes, and we think, but we're not pure, and so how can we ever see you, O oh God? So we pray that you would help us as we endeavor to hide your word in our heart, that it might be the, the calibration that we need to point back to Jesus that as a church, as a community, we would endure the next hundred years, but not just endure, but that we would be on fire for you, that we'd be filled with your Holy Spirit, that we truly would be lights in this community, in this world, that darkness would not overcome it. So God, we uh, give you this memory verse. We give you uh, this somewhat kind of old school kind of way of, of remembering things. And yet, God, we, we pray that it wouldn't just be something we do for, uh, because leadership has asked us to or because we have to say it every Sunday, but that it truly would be hidden within our hearts and that you would speak to us through it. So we ask you this, knowing that you love us so much, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Let's sing together.